So hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Return of Ritual online show. And I'm Amber Winston, and today I have a very uh, special guest that I'm very um, excited to chat with. Uh, so I'd like to give a warm welcome to Laura Perry. Thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. So I want to just start by giving a little bit of background or rather setting kind of the intention for how Return of Ritual has come to be. And um, the main reason is I have a fundamental belief that sacred ritual and ceremony has been a part of ancient cultures and civilizations for millennia. It was almost the backbone of how cultures and civilizations were organized. However, I feel in this modern Western society, somewhat of that ritual um, essence and just beauty has been kind of stripped away from, from how we exist today, or it's only in certain pockets. And so it's really my mission to chat with experts like yourself and really uncover, you know, what are those sacred rituals that have kind of been lost in our society and how can we start to bring them back into our daily lives and ultimately recognize that everything is sacred and our yeah. lives are magical and um, and just so much healing and growth and transformation I think can come through ritual. So with that, Laura, um, <clears throat> I Laura is a, an artist, she's a writer, um, she's the founder of modern Minoan paganism and she's actually a naturopath and herbalist by trade, which I found to be really exciting because I, I love naturopathic medicine and it's actually helped to transform my life quite a bit. Um, so I wanted to start by kind of a fun question, a little bit of an icebreaker and then we'll, we'll dive in. But uh, Laura, what's your sign? I'm a Sagittarius. So You're I, a Sag. Yeah. And do you, um, do you resonate with that sign? Um, some, I actually have done astrology, um, long enough that I learned how to draw charts with a calculator and a pencil and a piece of paper. Um, yeah, software is a lot easier, <laughs> um, but I, uh, for me, the, uh, the combination of, uh, my sun, my moon and my ascendant, um, more accurately sort of encapsulates and symbolizes who I am. So mm. I have Sagittarius traits, but I also have some fairly uh, strong traits from my moon and my ascendant as well. So what is your moon and ascendant in? I'm Capricorn moon and my ascendant is Aquarius. So I actually have three right in a row. Wow. So I'm a winter baby all around. Yes, you are. You totally are. That's beautiful. Um, I, when I was nine years old as well, I have, and I still have it. It's a big purple book. And it's called the only astrology book you'll ever need. Yes. And yes. I remember being nine years old in my bedroom. And I too, like taught myself to do my little chart with pens and, you know, pen and a piece of paper. Um, and I've just been totally into it ever since. So I always like to start with kind of a fun, a fun question like that. Um, the next question that I have for you is, could you just walk us through what your normal or rather ideal morning or evening ritual look like? Um, okay, ideal, meaning that I would have enough time for it and there are no emergencies and right. Um, I do manage to make 
to create something close to the ideal most days simply because what I do isn't very complicated and it's kind of a part of ordinary life. And mm -hmm. I think sort of an important, uh, an important aspect is that whatever ritual you do shouldn't be separate from your normal life. It should be a part of it. It should be like folded in with everything else that you do. Um, mm -hmm. Since I work from home, um, most days um, I simply wake up at dawn. We have big French doors. Uh, I see the, the sunlight coming in the doors. I've got doors like that in my bedroom facing the bed. <clears throat> yeah. And so I'm very uh, keyed to the light dark cycle. And mm -hmm. up, I am awake as that light comes in. And so my. Um, my morning ritual, the beginning of it is I walk over to those doors and I greet the sun. So that's mm. my morning. You know, that's uh, I most days I'm lucky enough to get to spend a couple minutes just standing there, opening my heart and being with the sun, which is just marvelous. That sets the tone for my whole day. Yeah. Oh, it's beautiful. I am. Um, I. When I take, we have a, a dog, um, his name's Rupert, and he's a white golden retriever kind of laying down here. And when I take him for my morning walk, I've started to connect with that too. I just look at the sun and I just greet the sun as I'm walking him around the block. And it's such a, like you said, something simple. It's not complicated. It's already kind of woven into your day. And right, I think that that's right. a really beautiful message for people that, adding ritual to your life isn't meant to add more stress to your life. It's actually to allow you to recognize that even the most mundane getting out of bed and looking at your French doors, that in itself is like a beautiful ritual. Yeah. And it's, it's something simple, but I think the simplicity of it makes it feel that much more sacred. Yeah. And then is there anything else? Yeah. Well, on, on days when I'm not rushed, uh, in the morning, I, uh, I draw a couple cards. I uh, created a Minoan tarot deck and um, I like to shuffle them and draw the card, one card off the top and one off the bottom or okay. obvious things that I need to think about during the day and the not so obvious things, the hidden things. That's the card off the bottom of the deck. Oh, I like that. So, um, and I'll usually uh, lay the cards out uh, on my desk or somewhere. This is uh, my studio that I'm in right now. It's where I do most of my work. And so I lay them out on the desk here somewhere so that I can just look at them as I pass by during the day and just allow myself to be reminded, allow myself to be open to whatever it is, you know, that I'm looking for or that I'll experience during the day that I should pay attention to. Mm, I like that. Just kind of keeping them in your in your view for the day. Yeah. Little reminders. Mm. Yeah. Now, I, I love that you mentioned your deck because it is a beautiful deck. And I think that that segues nicely into uh, what is the Minoan civilization and culture for somebody who's never heard okay. of that before. Can you just explain <laughs> that to us? Yeah, it gets left out of uh, ancient history a lot. Um, mm -hmm. Well, don't realize that there was uh, someone there in the Mediterranean before the Greeks. Um, so, wow. uh, so that it's pre-Greek. Um, the Minoans were a Bronze Age civilization uh, on the island of Crete. Uh, 
Crete is a part of the nation of Greece now, um, but that's only been for the past century or so. Um, the people, the native people of Crete consider themselves to be Cretans, not Greeks. Um, okay. So they've always had a sort of independent spirit. Um, so yeah, when, when you see the, uh, the fresco of the bull leapers or, or the beautiful ladies with their, uh, the hair with the gold decorations in it, um, that's, that's the Minoans. Um, okay. the, uh, the island was, um, settled, uh, as many as maybe 10,000 years ago, but what we think of as Minoan civilization ran from about 3000 to 1500 BCE. So, I mean, they wow. lasted a while. Um, they had a number of cities, uh, with temples at the centers of them. Um, they were also very nature oriented to them. Um, the nature mm -hmm. of sacred, there were sacred caves um, that you can still visit some of them. Um, there were peak sanctuaries on the tops of the mountains. They had sacred mountains. Um, mm -hmm. um, some of them, the names of them uh, even tell us the goddess that they were sacred to. Um, so to them, it was a sacred landscape. Uh, it was a living landscape. The mother goddess, Rhea, the earth mother goddess, was the island, right? They were her children. Um, and as far as anyone can tell, uh, they were a peaceful society. They appear to have been run by uh, groups of people rather than by a monarch or, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. They were probably really lucky uh, because they're an island. There were no borders for them to um, make anyone feel threatened. So they were merchants and traders. They sailed all over the Mediterranean. They even sailed out into the Atlantic and possibly out into the Red Sea as well. Um, they were very a surprisingly cosmopolitan people for also being very nature-oriented and probably animistic. So, and their art is just, it's stunning even today. Yeah, and so tell us a little bit about that because it sounds... <clears throat> you know, to your earlier point, I, I would agree that this this civilization is often left out of discussions. And I, to be completely yeah. honest, was not super familiar with it. Um, and so can you just describe to us how you first kind of became acquainted with the art and then what that unfolded in you and then kind of how you've gotten to really be, um, you know, a fantastic artist that's replicating almost or bringing forth more of this art into the world? Um, well, the aha moment was an art history class in high school. And we had this enormous book. It was the size of an unabridged dictionary and it scared the heck out of me. But it had chunks, sections of color plates in it. And one day we had the books out in class and the teacher was having us flip pages. And I flipped a page to one of those color plates and it was the Bull Leapers fresco. And I just got goosebumps all over. It was just, it, yeah, there was, there was something so familiar about it. Um, and this was before the age of the internet. And so um, if you think the Minoans aren't very well known now, imagine what it was, imagine, like, all the online resources. So um, I went to the school library and there was a whopping two paragraphs in the encyclopedia. And for years, that was it. And I was just kind of quietly obsessed with finding every little tidbit. Um, and then in the 90s, um, new yeah. archaeology uh, began. Um, 
new books were published, and then slowly the internet also came to be a, a good resource. Um, I guess the way I usually describe it is looking at that fresco opened a doorway, and through that doorway came the gods and goddesses of ancient Crete, and they kept standing around me, tapping me on the shoulder, saying, <clears throat> when are you going to get around to doing this? Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, and I've, I've always been an artist. I was the kid who doodled in the margins of the paper at school and, and all like that. Um, and I've done illustrations for most of my books, but um, the, the Minoan art thing started when um, I, uh, I wanted a Minoan tarot deck and I thought, oh, surely, you know, there are thousands of tarot decks out there. Every imaginable subject, there was not a Minoan tarot deck. It did not exist. And I was just disappointed. And of course, one of my friends just looked at me and said, well, make one. And um, lucky for everybody, I had no idea what's involved in, in making a tarot deck, how huge and daunting uh, process it uh, would turn out to be. So I just plunged right in, sort of Zen beginner's luck, I guess. Amazing. Um, and so, yeah, it took me three years. Wow. Uh, it's uh, 87 individual pieces of art. Mm -hmm. uh, well, actually, 91 if you count the borders. Um, wow. Yeah. And so it, it took, yeah. So I have it right here. Yep. And that's beautiful. This is our, our snake goddess, our, our famed snake goddess. Um, but yeah, I wanted. Tarot, modern tarot um, began really with the Waitsmith deck. And right. it's what I learned on. It's what most people learned on. But it is full of Judeo-Christian imagery and symbolism that didn't exist when the Minoans were around. And so I couldn't use that as a basis for creating the Minoan tarot deck. I tried and it didn't work because it just, you know, it's the wrong symbol set. <clears throat> so um, I think I learned more in the three years, more about tarot in the three years of creating that deck than I did in the previous 20 of working with tarot. Because, wow. yeah, because I had to, I had to look at each card and say, what is this really about? And how would a Minoan artist depict that? And what symbol? Mm -hmm and shapes and colors and images would they use and so i had to sort of strip tarot down to the bare bones of its its ultimate meaning and mm. and then build it up from there so it was it was hard it was quite a journey um i'm really glad i did it i'm really glad i didn't know when i started what it was going to involve um but it was it was transformative really i had to contemplate some things really deeply um mm. and just i know it's sort of cliche but <clears throat> sort of examine the meaning of life and how that can be expressed in art um wow it just sounds like you're describing um a, just a a three-year-long ritual in itself of yeah. self-discovery and pondering bigger things um 
you you also mentioned something earlier where you kind of alluded to the the spirits of maybe the Minoan people kind of being like, hello, you know, are you going to start yeah. doing this yet? Can you unpack that a little bit for us and how maybe that um, was a part of your journey of creating this beautiful deck? Like, obviously, I'm assuming that there was help. Yes. But can you just can you just describe um, that a little bit for the listeners? So I started out very naively thinking of this as a practical, functional, and mundane art project. I should have known better. Um, I the the very first thing that I did was try to decide what images to do for the four suits, right? Because in um, in uh, modern tarot decks, you've got um, pinnacles or coins and wands and swords um, and cups. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure whether those were the right um, symbols. And so right away I had to start meditating because I couldn't just, I couldn't think, you know, nothing just came. There was no light bulb moment for that one. Um, I've got the deck here. Let me flip through. And so um, the, the colors are the ones that everyone associates with the um, the directions, right? If you're talking about at least a sort of European style, um, like the, the directions will have, um, uh, well, let's say the elements rather, the elements in, um, in the, the tarot minor arcana suits are earth, air, fire, and water. And so um, I started with those and I started with the colors, earth is green, Air is, is a sort of golden color. Um, fire is red and water is blue. And then um, I looked at what symbols in Minoan culture might have represented those things. And it just, it didn't work and it didn't work and it didn't work. And I ended up giving up for a few days. I just, there was no inspiration. And then one day I was sitting um, out in the backyard, I have to have my nature time or I go insane. I have to have, you know, a little bit of time sitting outside, fresh air, birds and trees and stuff every day. Um, and the, the little voice said, you're thinking too hard. This isn't something you're supposed to do with your head. Hmm. And so, um, I guess in a sense, I developed a ritual for working on these cards um, <clears throat> because I would start when I went to bed at night, whatever issue I was working on at the time, what should this card contain or what color or what, what symbols should this suit have or anything like that. And I would think about that as I was falling asleep and ask my spirit allies and um, the spirits of the Minoans and their gods and goddesses to help me. Mm. Typically, um, when I woke up in the morning, there would be an idea just sitting there in my head. Wow. Um, so I, I can claim credit for doing the actual art, but in a sense, I'm not the one who designed the cards. So. How beautiful that you have to kind of get to a place of, of just surrender, surrender you know, yes. or just complete like well you yeah. know kind of offering it up to something bigger and then yeah. kind of the wisdom started to come through 
Yeah. Uh, I think that that's just such a great reminder for anybody listening to this because we, you know, in our modern society, we so often find ourselves like striving and being in the masculine and trying to. You know what? I'm just going to like give this up to something bigger than me and then just watch what happens because that's really when, at least in my own life, I've witnessed a lot of magic happen when I shift gears out of the masculine and into the feminine and really ultimately just offer something up. Um, So that's a beautiful story. Is there any other um, examples of how sacred ritual kind of in your life has um, either aided you on your spiritual journey or um, on maybe like your healing journey? You know, has there any, has there been any pivotal moments or anything that you'd like to share about um, your own spiritual journey and how ritual has played a part of that? Um, this sounds like a big one, obviously this three year birthing of your deck, but anything else? Um, I think a lot of, um, when I, when I think about how I want to do, uh, how I want to approach the sacred in my daily life, I think what would people have done in the time when that was normal, right? You know, when... When it wasn't, I mean, I have friends and relatives who think I'm a little weird, you know, that I, that I consider major aspects of life to be sacred and not just, um, not just sort of rocks and dirt and whatever. Um, so we have, we're, we're very lucky to have, um, a nice property here with some woods on it and a little Creek. Um, and the, uh, and you're near, um, you're in Georgia? Yes, near Atlanta. Yes, near Atlanta. Beautiful. Um, and the, the caretaking of this property has become a daily ritual for me. Um, mm. Everything from, um, there is actually a little grove of cypress trees off to one side that I have dedicated to the Minoan goddess, Rhea. Um, she apparently had a sacred grove of cypress trees at Knossos in Minoan times. Um, wow. And we happen to have five little cypress trees. Well, they're not that little anymore over here. And so um, I dedicated that as a grove to her. And so I can go and I can sit there under those trees and connect with Mother Earth, connect with, with nature, and also connect with the civilization that I feel like um, is trying to sort of come through into our time. Mm. Um, and that's, that's grounding in a way that typical grounding activities aren't. Um, I don't know how else to explain that. It's, um, it feels real on a different level. Mm-hmm. And, um, And so, yeah, even um, I do a daily check of the property. It's not a huge property. It's an acre and a half, but we do have um, wild woods, which we have purposely kept wild. Um, And then um, we have uh, a garden. Uh, I've done a bunch of uh, permaculture work with it. Um, And so every day that I can, I go and I just walk around the property and greet the spirit of the place and say thank you um, 
and ask what else I can do. And um, it's not formal. I don't have a specific set of words that I say on a regular basis. It's more like just an opening up and a listening. Um, mm. And just doing that on a regular basis has actually been very healing for me on a uh, on an emotional and psychological level. It makes me feel like I'm a part of the world and not separate from it. Mm -hmm. So it's really powerful. And I, what I really love about that is um, how, you know, you've connected back to, okay, well, what would, what would the Minoan people, what would the ritual be? And, and what you've highlighted here is that it is such a simple thing that so many of us, you know, even if we don't have an acre of land, you know, for example, I don't have an acre of land, but we have a beautiful front courtyard here that I'm looking out to um, that we are in the process of designing some beautiful landscaping and getting some nice. plants in. So for anybody who, I mean, we all have homes, right? And we all have land that the home sits on. So just a simple, you know, getting outside on your way to work or on the way to the grocery store, you know, connecting to your property. I think that is such a beautiful ritual that allows you to connect to Mother Earth and to just ask, you know, is there anything that you need? And just that I think that's so profound and simple that it's so attainable for people. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And I think that it's beautiful that, that it's also aided you in your own emotional healing journeys and spiritual healing journeys. I think that I just really think that that it should resonate with people listening to this, that it doesn't have to be um, this. And I, I keep going back to Disney, but like this, how Disney would right. like make a ritual look. It's like, let's just unpack that a little bit. And it's just walking your property. Like, wow, right. that is so powerful. So powerful. We, you know, what, what did our ancestors do, right? They, they are in our blood and in our bones. And if we listen, we can hear their voices. What did they do? Um, and I think most of what they did was probably very simple and very yeah. straightforward, just connecting themselves with the sacredness of the world around them. Mm -hmm. It's almost like whatever they would do in their daily life. And what, what comes to mind for me, you know, was food preparation, you know, was yes. another thing, right? Every, you know, ancient civilization, everyone has to eat. Right. And so how were people preparing the food? You know, how can that become a ritual where you're putting love and intention into the food and then right. it's like you're feeding your family and you're sitting down together to eat that food which I don't know about you but I feel like in today's day and age you know people are eating on the fly and right yeah um you know so how can that even in itself become something that we consider um I wanted to ask you because I think that it would be great to have you put some qualities or some words around the Minoan civilization, because I heard you say that, you know, when you're sitting in the cypress trees or you're connecting to the land, that this kind of culture is wanting to come back or come, come out in today's day and age. And so if you could help us understand by describing the qualities of how these people lived, um, I think that that would be really great because it can kind of anchor us in how maybe we could embody some of those qualities more in our daily lives. 
If I had to pick a single word that I think encompasses the way the Minoans experience life, I think that would be joy. Mm -hmm. Um, They were not a warlike people. They were not out to conquer. Um, They were traders and merchants. Um, They sailed all over the place, meeting people of other cultures, um, traveling, making connections. I think they had a sense of curiosity and exploration um, to the point that they even uh, appear to have adopted a couple minor um, Egyptian deities into their pantheon. So I think they were just very open-hearted. One of the more well-known features of Minoan civilization is that women appear to have had equal status with men. Um, yeah, um, and that was unusual even for the Bronze Age because by the time um, Minoan civilization was ending, uh, all the other cultures around them had pretty much shifted into men with status and power and women without it. Um, so in a sense, the Minoans were a holdover from even earlier times. Um, but yeah, I feel like a lot of the uh, values of their culture and their spirituality are very relevant today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The idea of making connections with all kinds of people from all over, uh, finding commonality uh, rather than trying to focus on differences. Um, Yeah. It just, it feels to me very much like we should maybe pay attention to what their culture was about because we could learn from it and maybe improve our own world. Mm. I love that. I think that, I think that anybody listening, you know, to this would, would agree that they would probably want more joy in their life or more connection and, um, you know, to be more curious and to be open. And and those are certainly things that I uh, am embodying in my life. And I think, um, you know, as part of sharing this, this interview with other people too is so that they can start to access or just remember that part of themselves. You know, a lot of this is just remembering who we really are. Mm. Um, I do just want to ask one other question, just a little bit off topic, but I was really fascinated when I learned that you do um, work, you know, with herbs through the herbalistic trade, as well as, naturopathic medicine. Um, is there anything that anybody's listening to this that if they want to start to, to incorporate more herbs or more um, just kind of natural remedies into their daily life or through a ritual practice, is there anything that you, um, that you like doing in your daily life or you would recommend that somebody could start to explore or play with from, the, from Mother Nature? Um. If you're looking uh, to do any of that kind of thing, besides the basic disclaimer, please use reliable resources because natural doesn't mean safe. Arsenic and uranium are also all natural. Um, But yeah, um, something that I really like to encourage people to do, uh, and you can do this even if you live in a tiny apartment, is start with a live plant, okay? Mm. You can buy potted herb plants at the grocery store right? And just get one, whatever, whatever happens to, um, whatever you happen to notice, whatever, you know, you look at it and go, oh, I want that one. 
um, listen to that little voice and um, the plant can go on your windowsill or on your deck or wherever. You don't have to be a big gardener, but develop a relationship with it. It's a living thing. It has DNA just like you do. Um, it, uh, it has a spirit. It has um, things that you can learn if you will listen. And I think that's a better place to start just in terms of developing a feel for how plant medicine works um, rather mm -hmm. than starting with any kind of um, manufactured um, herbal medicine. Absolutely. And then you can move on from there. And certainly there are lots of great resources. Um, there are classes, there are books. Um, but I think the, uh, the plant people have a lot to teach us directly if we are willing to listen. I think that's a, an amazing tip. And I bet so many people listening actually have plants in their home and maybe they just haven't established that connection to the plant. And so what would the advice be there? How can they establish a connection? One of the first uh, herbal workshops I ever took was a weekend uh, with a woman up near Asheville, North Carolina. And one of the things that we did was she, we walked outside of the building where the workshop was and she pointed us each toward one of the plants that were growing out there. She said, sit down next to it and listen to it. I'll be back in 20 minutes and you're going to tell me what it told you. <clears throat> I had never done anything like that before. Okay. Yeah. No what to do. And several of us said that we're like, we don't know how to do this. And she said, yes, you do. She said, you do actually know how to do this. It is in you. It, look in your heart. You now connect with every other living thing there is. This is something that our ancestors have done since the beginning of humanity. And it took me a few minutes of sitting there wondering what the heck I was going to do. And then I just relaxed and said, okay, fine. If I screw this up, if I'm a complete failure, I'll just be a complete failure. And so if I look back at it now, I realize that was the moment of surrender. And that's the key is that you have to quit being in charge and just allow the connection to happen, allow the relationship to be whatever it needs to be without putting any rules on it, without making demands. And that's kind of hard to do because we think of ourselves as sort of being in charge of the world. Um, but yeah, if you can... If you can take a breath and step back from your ego for a little while um, and just allow the, the value and the power and the sacredness of the other living things um, to speak to you, it will. Um, it's there. Yeah, so, it's so amazing. I love that. I've, I've actually done um, that to our home. Or I've asked kind of the energy or the spirit of the home yeah. to, um, you know, tell me what their name is. And I very clearly got a name, you know, her name is Ruby. And, cool. <laughs> um, and so then, you know, when I come home, I'm like, Hey, Ruby, you know, thank you so much for, you know, providing this beautiful safe haven for me and my family. Yeah. And, um, and, and she definitely, you know, starts to tell me what she likes. She likes music to be played. You know, so we we play music in here, and um, 
you know, often it's music that I'm like, I wouldn't maybe necessarily normally listen to, but it's, it's Ruby wants that, that music. And so I'm like, okay, I'm putting that music on. Um, and I guess that's just an example for, for people listening that, you know, it can be joyful. It can be a fun yeah. thing, right? It, you know, if, if your husband or your wife or your partner is like, what are you talking about? You know, you can make it fun and kind of bring them into the fold right. if they're not comfortable or they're not exposed to this. Um, and I think what you said so well, Laura, was, you know, this is in our DNA. And so we have to really yeah. get out of the driver's seat, you know, get out. I like to say, put our mind on the shelf and like yes. really feel into the body and like, just remember, you know, that, that we have these capabilities and that we can connect yeah. to nature and to, to spirit. And, and keep your sense of humor. Because this is not a dead serious thing, you know? Life should be fun. So, yeah. I think that's perfect. Keep a sense of humor. Uh, so my last question, if unless there's anything else on your heart that really wants to come forth, um, it would be, is there an archetype maybe from your deck that wants to share a message with with us today who you know who are going to be listening to this um anybody in there or anybody that yeah, comes me, to mind or that you've been working okay. with that has a message for us so what i have been um focused on a lot recently is um the sun goddess god um now i'm flipping through the deck trying to find the card i want as i'm talking you're wondering um okay. It turns out that in, in the Mediterranean and in a number of parts of Eurasia, before um, the Indo-Europeans became such a major force, um, the sun was very often represented as a goddess. Um, oh, yeah. A goddess. Yes. And in the oldest, um, in the oldest myths, the sun is a goddess and the moon is her son or her little brother. And so that's backwards. Um, if you're taking notes, I can recommend a book. It's um, yeah. out of print, but it is well worth um, searching for at the various used book places. Um, it's Oh Mother Son by Patricia Monahan. Um, and she, here it is, card. Um, and her, uh, her research is impeccable and fully referenced. So this is not just something that she made up. This is real hard data mythology. And so it looks like um, the Sun Mother was um, a major component of, um, of uh, early life for humans, at least across Eurasia and in major parts of uh, Australia and the Pacific. So, um, so I have two cards for you. One is the Sun, Let's see if I can tilt that so it's not shiny. Um, yes. This is uh, inspired by a gold pendant from the Minoan city of Malia, and the pendant has two bees. Um, here I've got them uh, around a sun, but they're around a, a piece of honeycomb, and it's a little gold pendant that some, someone actually wore. Um, bees are very important to the Minoans. Um, <clears throat> and the, the other card is, this is the fate card. And this inspired by one of the Minoan frescoes from Akrotiri. I've given her a spinning, a drop spindle. Um, 
but the uh, the symbolism on the fresco tells us that this is the sun goddess. Um, on the fresco, she has um, saffron uh, is being offered to her, and she has a griffin, the mythological creature of a griffin, next to her. And so that's um, that's like a picture caption, I guess you could say, that lets you know that that's the sun goddess. And so the earliest sun goddesses were spinning goddesses. Um, they were the weavers of fate. Um, so when you, when you look at the sun and you see the, the rays uh, flowing out from it, um, people thought of those as threads. And those are the threads that connect all of us. And so one of the things that I do when I greet the sun in the morning, and this morning I had to do it sort of symbolically because it was cloudy, but I knew she was there. And so I did it. Mm -hmm. um, I like to think of those sunbeams as threads that connect me with every other living thing that the sun is shining on. Mm -hmm. And so... When you look at the sun, it's the same sun I'm looking at. It's the same sun that people on the other side of the world will look at in the few hours. It's the same sun that all of our ancestors looked at. Okay, every single one, every single one who has ever lived has looked up at that same sun. That, wow. That sun has touched everyone's skin who has ever lived. And so I like to think of that as a connection a way to connect with everyone, a way to remind myself that I'm just one person. Um, I'm not alone. I am a part of an enormous community of life on this amazing planet. What a beautiful message. Thank you. That's really beautiful. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Laura, for sharing that. I think that that definitely just touched my heart and um, is a powerful message. And I think your deck is so beautiful. Um, we will link in the show notes to Laura's website if you want to learn more um, about her offerings. Um, so thank you so, so much, Laura, for your time you. today and for your wisdom. Thanks.